0: I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Maidenova, And I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your biggest power. This is your time now, so lock your door, put your headphones in, and enjoy. Lindsay Gilman, welcome to the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. I have a very tricky
0: question for you, Lindsay. Okay, To put you on the spot. (laughs) Lindsay, how did you feel first when I shared my story with you? Mm.
1: I felt all sorts of things. (laughs) So I mean, I felt your absolute resiliency. I felt your strength. I felt your softness and your tenderness. And I felt like I could feel my own story in yours, even though ours is so different, I was able to really connect with you even more. Like our connection, our friendship, our sisterhood grew that much more just in hearing you share your story with me, because like I said, even though our stories are different, our road to healing, it's always the same. We got to go inside. And so we went on that journey together, right? We've both been on that inward journey and it just Connected us even more, and it made me feel empowered to share my story.
0: And I, I'm so glad you you've said this, because so many people are so afraid to share their stories mm-hmm. because of the fear of people will not understand me, people will yeah. judge me, mm-hmm. uh, people will think of me, who knows what, right, right. But this is the the beauty of uh, reclaiming your power. This is the Mm -hmm. beauty to take the ownership of your story. So Mm -hmm. firstly I don't care what people think of me. It's none of my business. And secondly, how how much did it help you to resonate, to connect with me and to open up? Mm -hmm.
1: It was it was instant, you know that it's almost like an invitation. You know, so when you share, it invites me to share. And um, it instantly creates this sense of safety, and um it's yeah, it's an invitation, it's an invitation to vulnerability. Um, and it's not it's not like this weak like vulnerability. it's this empowered vulnerability where we when when you're sharing your story and then it invites me to share mine, we're both reclaiming. We're reclaiming our our power, our strength, our resiliency. Um even together, every time we share it, right exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. Lindsay,
0: what is your story? Yes,
1: yeah, so my biggest, I would say what has impacted me the most because there's micro traumas that's riddled in you know throughout my life, but growing up, I had a happy childhood, I mean, from when I was born until. About ten years old or so, my parents are are just loving parents. they're happily married um, we were always provided provided for and supported and still are and um, and right around when I was ten, um, my mom started to go through her own dark night of the soul and um, she experienced a lot of trauma herself growing up and so much so that she dissociated it. She compartmentalized it and and didn't have any recollection of it. And um, she started to experience episodes of, of, of remembering feeling out, like her body started to respond. She started to feel like uh, she was a, uh, her body wasn't hers and, and that she was kind of dissociated out of it and experienced a lot of depression. Like Unable to get out of bed, crippling depression. And right around 10 years old, I everything was fine the night before that I can remember. And I woke up in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning, and I it's I heard, I heard a voice say, Lindsay, go get your dad. Like loud, like it it penetrated me. It shook my room. It shook me awake. I I don't remember ever that ever happening to me before. And it's not like, I heard things or, or anything like that. And, and so I got up and I went into my parents' room and went and got my dad. And sure enough, my mom wasn't in bed. Uh, we, we went downstairs and we saw her and she was not herself at all. Like not, she wasn't my mom. Like, it wasn't like we were talking to her and she was trying to take her own life. That was the moment that I lost the innocence, my innocence, the moment that my world changed. I never seen anything like that. I didn't understand that somebody would want to take their own life, let alone my mom my mom. My dad had me call nine one one while he was trying to restrain her and trying to save her. I was so young and I'm on the phone with nine one one talking to the dispatcher. And they're asking me all these questions and I'm I'm trying to answer them as best as I can. And my little brother wakes up. And so I go up to my little brother. I don't want him to come downstairs. And he was just a few years younger than me. Then I remember it was the police that came first. Police showed up first before anybody. And they had to handcuff her to the chair because she was so aggressive. She was so just out of it. And saying things I've never heard her say before and words I've never heard her say before. And she looked completely different. She didn't look like my mom. So then the, the paramedics came and they had to strap her down to a gurney like a stretcher i was i was i was with my brother and i was i remember reading him a book like i was i was trying to make something so not normal somewhat normal and i remember thinking i remember clearly at like 10 thinking to myself that i shouldn't be doing this i shouldn't be reading this book this was dr seuss I shouldn't be reading Dr. Seuss right now. I remember it feeling not okay. And I heard commotion downstairs. And so we had like a a stairway and you could look down over onto the, into the hallway. And I saw them bringing my mom out on the, on the stretcher. She looked right at me and looked at me and said, this is all your fault. And off she went she doesn't remember, you know, she doesn't remember saying that. And, and, um, yeah, the state that she was in, you know, me calling 911 or me finding her or whatever, if she, she wanted to die, it was my fault that she was alive. It was my fault. But I internalized that in a way where I felt like all of it was my fault. Like her being so unhappy that she wants to take her own life. I didn't understand trauma then. I didn't understand dissociation. I didn't understand any of that, and and so all I'm seeing is a mom not wanting to be alive anymore. So she must not love me, or I must not be good enough, or you know I'm not making her happy enough to be a daughter that she wants to stay alive for. And that was the first time that I that that I saw that. As time went on, there was more and more of that, Um, more and more times of her trying to take her own life and me finding her um, throughout probably over a decade there were so many happy times in between um, times where there was peace times where she was doing. Okay. You know, and in the process of all of this, you know, we were living what seemed to be a normal life. And that was so confusing to me. It felt like a dirty little secret. We were active at church and, you know, my dad was like a leader at the church and, you know, we didn't talk about this stuff. I didn't talk about it with my friends. Really that much, and i I didn't have anyone to talk to I didn't have a therapist I didn't have help to navigate any of it, and it felt like whenever I wanted to talk about it, whenever I wanted to to address it 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 was like I was being dramatic or I was bringing up something that they just didn't want to talk about, and I understand it. I understand why they didn't want to I get it, but I didn't have any sounding board I didn't have any way of understanding outside of my own way of piecing it together that led me to always feeling on eggshells around especially around my mom I remember coming home from school almost every day and I would be having this what I know now is a traumatic trauma response you know I, I was instantly anxious my stomach was all flustered I was flushed in my chest and I would I remember just feeling so uneasy all the time and trying to read her, trying to read her and trying to see if she's okay and trying to be quiet and trying to be helpful and trying to be all those things. And it became so conflicting, especially as I went into my teenage years, wanting to have bouts of rebellion and, and um, coming into my own as a, as a woman and, and all of these things. And I felt like I had to hide so much of that because I didn't want to disrupt anything. And I, I I wasn't the best at it. There was definitely times where I was a pain in the ass <laughs> on my parents, you know. Um, but it it definitely turned me into somebody who was really good at reading people. So much so that I could tell like the moment that their energy just shifted just a little bit. And I would internalize it and go, okay, what did I just do? And I would I would replay everything I'd say and everything that I, every face I made and every, everything. And I'd scrutinize myself so much to where I developed such bad social anxiety. Just, I mean, and no one would know because I tried to be friends with everybody. I tried to make sure everyone liked me and no one knew that I was struggling with this crippling anxiety. Um, after a party or after talking with people, I would, I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'd replay all the things I said. and all the things I did and how did they interpret it? And I'd replay their faces and the, the words that they said. And I, it was just so much like analyzing. Yeah. So much Same. analyzing. And um, when I would meet potential romantic partners, you know, I, I could easily tell instantly what they wanted. I could, I knew what they wanted. I knew how they wanted me to be. I knew how they wanted me to act, what to say. And I was so good at doing all of those things in order as a bid for love, like to get love, to get acceptance, to get, um, to get, yeah, that, that knowing that I'm okay enough. And it was so not fair to anybody else. It wasn't fair. I wasn't being fair, but I didn't know how to act any other way. And so people who formed relationships with me didn't get the real me. They got a version of me that I thought they wanted when inevitably I would end up, you know, not being able to live at whatever standard I put myself at. Then they'd be like, well, that's not who I thought you were. You know, I felt like a fraud and I felt like a liar and I got married. I got married and had, had two children. It all started to, like I started to crack all of the the ways I formed myself and the ways that I painted myself it started to crack and I couldn't do it anymore and I ended the marriage in in a ways in ways I'm not proud of from there I found I found another partner my husband now thankfully I've been able to go on a really deep healing journey with him by my side he's been willing to get to know the real me as she continues to unfold. That has been such a blessing in my life to have that space to be able to do that. About four years ago, when I gave birth to my third daughter, my otherwise healthy body said no more. (sighs) No more, (laughs) I'm done. So um, I don't know if you want me to go into that right now or if you want to ask any more questions about what I experienced as a child.
0: We will definitely get back to this. Okay. I have a few questions yeah for you. Yeah. Have you ever asked your mother what was her trauma?
1: Yes, yes, um she she I don't I'm not going to share it here, but yes, I know I know what her trauma is and I it's been so I knew from a younger age. It was shared with me from my, at a younger age so that I could understand better. But I think I was too young. I think I was too young to really fully grasp it. And now it's like, well, it makes perfect sense. Like I I totally understand why she was struggling as much as she was. I have so much compassion and so much empathy, but even hearing it at a younger age, it, I know that they were trying to get me to understand, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it yet. I couldn't, I couldn't understand the gravity of it until I actually experienced it myself, right? Mm-hmm. Do
0: you think it helped you to forgive her? For what, what I she-
1: what I went through, or what you her? went through? Yes, yes. There was a lot of time, even when I was in college, like when I was older and had an understanding of of it more, right? Um, I remember one of the last one of the last times that she that she. You know, with you know, had to be put in the hospital and all of that. I was in college and I remember not wanting to go see her. And I remember telling my dad I was really angry, and actually started to say that because I, I think I, I tried to hold all of that in for a long time, tried to be there and tried to be the support, you know, supporting and and all of that. And I hit a point where I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like this has messed me up so much. I'm so angry. I'm done. You know and my dad came and he visited me and he brought me all these books to read and I didn't want to read them I was like I'm not taking these books I was so mad I was mad at him too you know I was like why didn't I get more help why didn't I and I didn't I didn't have any sort of understanding or empathy or compassion that they were trying the best they could (laughs) I mean they were dealing with something so heavy and so massive and they have two children that they're trying to take care of and He's trying to work and and all of these things, and it's like I totally see it now as a as a married woman with children, and I get it and so when I went through my own depression, my own dark night, like when I found myself standing by the train tracks like three years ago, ready to step in front of the train with three children i I had told myself my whole life I would never do that. I would never do that to my children, and yet I found myself ready to take my own life because I was so. I was so desperate for peace i at that moment felt so much compassion for my mother so much compassion for her because i now fully understand that it doesn't matter how much you love your kids it doesn't when you are that mentally ill and you're struggling that much and you're that depressed you don't see any other way out you can't fathom another way out and and so that instantly brought me a level, a deeper level of understanding. You know, I look at her now as a as a warrior. I look at her now as as a as a the strongest woman I know, you know, um, because I know I know what she went through and I have so much compassion and understanding.
0: Thank you so much for sharing, Lindsay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did your trauma impact
1: your life? Yeah. So outside of what I shared about my relationships, struggling in my relationships and friendships Um, outside of that, which was always, I mean, that was massive, always wondering why I couldn't maintain friendships for very long, which is, that's actually not true because I, I do still have friends from when I was really little that are in my life still to this day. And I think it's because they, they knew me before everything and they knew they've always known me and they've watched me go through this. So I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm so grateful for these women in my life. But in making new friendships, as I like in my like teen years and, and older, I I really struggled with maintaining them and feeling like I was in integrity with myself, feeling like I was being honest. Um and so that that definitely impacted my self-esteem because I felt like I couldn't that I always had something to hide. That I was always afraid that someone's gonna find out something about me. That's like that I, you know, I'm not perfect or I, whatever it is. Um, and then I honestly think that that piece played into my, the physical fall of my body, always trying to present myself a certain way, trying to, you know, sell myself a certain way. My body was just done. And so I gave, I, I was, I felt like I was healthy. Prior to all of, you know, about four years ago, I had my youngest daughter and about four months after I had her, I woke up one morning and I couldn't get out of bed. Like it was like that. I had extreme fatigue, like not just like, oh, I'm tired, but literally like going to the bathroom. Like imagine you have the flu and you're just like, you're so you just can't get out of bed and you can't even get to the bathroom and get yourself some water, that kind of fatigue day in and day out and joint pain. Like my, my hands, my wrists, um, my knees, my hips, my back, um, just really hot, swollen joints. I experienced panic. And I think some of that was like, what's going on with my body. Like I'm panicking, but I was experiencing the kind of panic and anxiety that, was so physical. I mean, my my breath would be so erratic. My heart rate would be going crazy. My digestion was terrible because I was so anxious. I lost all my hair. I shaved my head um, because I had lost so much of my hair. My sleep. I couldn't sleep. No matter how tired I was, I couldn't sleep. And that that was one of the more crippling symptoms. Um, being unable to sleep, where you really believe you're broken you know that the more and more you're not sleeping, the worse and worse you're going to get. I would be so tired and I would lay my head on the pillow and I would instantly have this rush of adrenaline, no matter how tired I was. And I would get hot and my heart would start to, I could hear it beating in my head. And I would feel like my body was buzzing. Like I could feel my skin and my nerves buzzing. My tongue was so swollen and my throat due to inflammation um and toxicity that it was difficult to speak and swallow. I was scared I was gonna choke on my tongue a lot of the time. Gosh, I mean there were so many symptoms. It it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. It was one of the scariest times of my life. I went to a lot of doctors and no one had any answers. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and you know, when they're looking at you and they're they're like, you know, your blood work looks fine. And and you're like, my hair's falling out of my head. And this was not just like postpartum hair loss. Like I've had other, two other kids. Like it was, I had lost some of my hair after having my youngest daughter and some of it grew back. And then all of a sudden this happened and it was like, everything was, this was not postpartum hair loss. This was totally different. Um, and then my joints and they're like, you know, it's just, it's, you're just manifesting it in your head. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. And so I, I hired and fired a lot of doctors. I went to a lot of specialists. I went to naturopaths, acupuncture, um, everything. And I didn't get a lot of help at all. And, um, in that it was interesting. I learned that we know our bodies more than any other medical professional knows. Mm -hmm. And, um, It was fascinating when I would do my own research and and know my body so much and I'd go and see these professionals and I'm sitting there and I'm like, who's the doctor? Like, who's the professional here? Because my level of knowing myself, my body, what's happening far, like they had no idea what they were talking about half the time. And in that moment was when I realized I was alone. I was alone. There's no, I cannot, rely on anybody else right now nobody else is going to be able to help me and it's so true I have to go deep within and um, at first I thought I can fix all of this with food food is going to be if that's what I'm taking in my body I can fix everything with food and I became obsessive obsessive like orthorexia like it was like and I've had a history in my life of restricting food um, out of what, trying to keep a figure and um, you know trying to look like the models on the magazines and all of that and so most of my life I struggled with food with um, either eating too much of it binging and then restricting and binging and restricting and
0: um, By the way, for our listeners Lindsay looks stunning it's <sighs> just stunning thank you
1: thank you so much um and yeah, binging and restricting. And um, and so then when I got sick, it was even more restricting, you know, but this time I'm in the name of health, right? And so mm-hmm. I barely was eating much of anything at all. Um, I was so afraid that everything I ate was going to make me worse. Um, I, you know, was juicing all the time. I was like going days without eating, just having water. I was not nourishing myself. But in that I did find some relief of symptoms. And I think that there is a level of detox that happened. There was a level of um, allowing my body to, you know, release years of, you know, not the best food choices or alcohol or, you know, whatever. And that's, you know, candies and fast food and all that. So that definitely helped, but I didn't find, I was still struggling with massive um, hair issues. I was struggling with insomnia. I was struggling with uh, sporadic joint pain and inflammation still. And um, that's when I realized that there's something more here. I can't, it's not just food. And um, I started to research the nervous system. And what did you find? Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was deep in the works of Dr. Gabor Mate and um, also Deb Dana and um, they are um, pioneers really in the um, understanding that the body remembers everything Mm -hmm. that the body keeps score and that um, everything starts with the nervous system. And so when I read that, when I read that the nervous system is the first line of defense, it's the first, it's the first of everything. So if I want to properly digest my food, my nervous system needs to be regulated. If I want my hormones to be functioning at optimal, you know, in, in their optimal way, my nervous system needs to be regulated. If I want my hair to grow back, my nervous system needs to be regulated. If I want to sleep, my nervous system needs to be regulated. And so I realized that all of these things I was chasing, right? So I'm chasing the food to help the digestion. I'm, I'm taking thousands of dollars worth of supplements that I don't, they're not even regulated, right? I'm taking all these things, just hoping throwing it at me, hoping that something's going to work. And none of it mattered. None of it matters until you are in a place of actual regulation. And what does that feel like? What does that look like? Especially in our world these days. And that resonated with me so much. It made so much sense to me. And from that time forward was when I went down, I'm going to know everything I can. I'm going to learn everything I can about the nervous system, how it works, what it impacts. Um, how do we anchor in safety? Um, and when I started to apply that as being my, my main focus, instead of, I set everything else aside and I'm like, this is my focus. Now my health skyrocketed. That's when I found healing on levels. I didn't even know I needed healing.
0: It's similar story to to mine. When I was losing my pregnancies, I had 10 different doctors telling me it's just the genes just genes didn't align i was like 15 times
1: 15 times yeah
0: and when i started my healing journey i we still don't have kids but it really helped me to see what was happening in my body Mm -hmm. and it, it led me to to another doctor who i was finally was able to open up and she was like i know what i have to check and she just found the reason And the reason was one of the abortions damaged my uterus um, line Mm. inside. Mm -hmm. So when I'm getting pregnant, Mm -hmm. uh, the endometrium is not growing. So Mm -hmm. the baby can't stick. Mm -hmm. Eight years, (laughs) they couldn't find it. (laughs) Eight years. And I think everything uh, everything is connected with each other. It's, mm-hmm. it's food, it's mental health, mm-hmm. and it's a physical health. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything works together because your mental health can be really good without good food,
1: exactly. without good
0: fuel. Mm-hmm. And your digestive system wouldn't process your food without mm-hmm. good mental health. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing yes. how it works. Yes. Amazing.
1: Yes, yes. And I mean, what I tell my clients now, that really helps them understand is that when when we are let's say a lion is chasing you a lion is chasing you your body is right in in releasing adrenaline and cortisol to get you away from the lion and in that process it utilizes all of your energy to to save you and so there's no energy left over for digestion um, or for hormone conversion or for anything like that for healing and so when we are, let's say, let's talk about food. So when we are about to sit down and eat and I have a, well, I'll give you an example. A client comes into me and says, I need you to fix my gut. It's not working. I have Crohn's, I have IBS, I have whatever. And I go, you know, what if, what if, let's ask another question. What if your body's actually right in those symptoms? And they've never heard that before because they're heard that their body's broken or that, mm-hmm. you know, it's that their body's attacking itself or whatever it is. And I go, what if your body's right in this, in this expression of symptoms? So are you eating when you're calm? Are you just eating when you're eating? Or are you scrolling through the, the news and are you fighting with your partner? Are you rushing around? Are you standing up when you're eating? Are you eating on the run? How are you eating? Emotional eating. Yeah. And, and every single time they tell me, well, no, I'm not just eating, you know, I'm stressed out or I'm rushing around or I'm shoving food down there. Cause I'm, you know, going to a meeting or I'm, you know, sitting across from somebody I don't like at work or whatever it is. And in, when you're in that state, it's no different than a lion chasing you, your body, the chemical reaction is exactly the same. So you have adrenaline, you have cortisol, the blood's not going, it's going to your, to your eyes, to your heart. Um, it's the enzymes aren't there in the stomach. And so digestion is not going to happen. And you want to fix the gut. You want your food to digest. You're not setting up the environment for it to do so. So it's actually correct in shutting digestion down. It's correct in creating inflammation there when you're throwing food down there and there's no enzymes or acid to break it down. So the body is right all the time, all the time in regards to how we're being in our life and in our body and the environment that we're creating around us. And um, it's actually an empowering way of looking at things and understanding that the greatest love story of all time is the one with our body and ourselves and how much it loves us and that we're participating in it, whether we know it or not, and that we have a choice and that we can utilize our life as our medicine. Because every conversation, every bite of food, every flower, every night of sleep, All of that is medicine for us, music. And instead we're choosing things that are adding poison into our life and we're wondering why we're not healing. And um, our life is so beautiful because it literally, every moment we can choose medicine. And if we do that, every moment we're healing.
0: I can only imagine how many millions of lives you're transforming at the moment, Mm. Lindsay. (laughs) Thank you. And I absolutely agree with you. I always say, if you have some problems, for example, overweight, I had this woman who, who is going to cut her stomach off. So I yeah. just have some, some like tube or something to lose the weight. And I've asked her, how was your childhood? Mm-hmm. And the story she shared with me was just something really horrible. And she knew my story and she felt comfortable. The problem is overweight is just a consequence what was happening to her inside. Yeah. So yes, she, she can cut your stomach, but it's literally you putting a bandaid over mm-hmm. your wound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not looking at the cause of the mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. As long as you, ha- uh, as soon as you remove the root, the cause of the problem, it will disappear. Yes. Because with cutting your stomach off, you will have so many other problems. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to digest all the micro elements, mm-hmm. vitamins mm-hmm. that are essential to your body. Mm-hmm. So, but just, I know it's so scary to look inside, but that's necessary. Mm-hmm. You will see, uh, half of your problems will probably be disappear. I'm okay. I'm talking about smoking, uh drinking, weight, mm-hmm. uh emotional eating and mm-hmm. depression.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It All comes from from the tra- trauma from the childhood. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes, and I find that in my focus on the nervous system with trauma. So, um because for some people, I mean, trauma is not necessarily an event. It can be. It can be an event but it's not always an event. Trauma is really chronic dysregulation. It's, it's the state of your nervous system after something happens and being stuck there. Mm-hmm. So, so prior to the world that we live in now, where it's, we're, we're dysregulated from the time we're in the womb and we're born, we are, we're, we're dysregulated um, just because we're not, we're, we're living in unnatural ways where we're not living. Um, we're not living with the seasons. We're not living with nature. We're not living um, in community. Like we're supposed, to um, and we're, we're detached from where our food's coming from and our water and all of these things. And before all of that, so I'm talking back when we we're like tribal, back in tribes and villages, a lion chases you and you have the response and you run and you get away mm-hmm. from the lion. And that event wasn't traumatic because they were able to get back into regulation very quickly because the way that they live is so much more in tune with that. And so it was something that happened to them, but they're not experiencing this the PTSD that we experience now. We're not experiencing this con- consistent trauma over and over again. And so the longer that we stay dysregulated, the more that we're having consistent traumatic responses. And so something that might not even seem like a traumatic thing can actually be very traumatic for people because it keeps you out of that place of regulation for a long period of time. So yeah it's 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 for me trauma is the root of illness of disease of dysregulation of all of that and the nervous system is the key to unwinding that trauma from the body and um that's that's where i'm finding the most success you know is is working on the body not the mind um because it's the body that 80% 80% of our of our threat signals, of our stress signals, it goes from the body to the brain, not the other way around. So, talk therapy hasn't been as successful for a lot of people because they're actually reliving the trauma over and over, and they're having the body response and all of that, and it's not being unwound, it's not being released from the nervous system through focused regulation. So, um, I think that shifting our focus to the body and somatic techniques. Um, is really the key to being free from your trauma.
0: And if you need any help with that, Lindsay Gilman, that's the person to go to.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I can absolutely help with that. (laughs)
0: Yes. (gasps) Lindsay, Mm -hmm. what sets your soul on fire?
1: Mm, I love that question. Um, You know, what sets my soul on fire is just serving serving and helping other people and honestly it's been it's been so life giving to me to be able to look at other people in their eyes when they come to me and they tell me lindsay this is my life sentence or i just need to learn how to cope with it or you know it's just how my body is it's just attacking itself it's just broken and i can look at them with 110% like honesty and truth and belief that that's not the case. And I can tell them that this isn't their story. It's part of it, but it's not the ending. And that what they're going through right now is going to be their greatest gift on the other side. And being able to tell that to people and to show them that there's another way that what they're hearing from doctors or hearing from family or whatever, that they're broken, that that's not not the truth at all. It sets my soul on fire to be able to Express the magnificence of the human body. How resilient it is. How beautiful it is. How it's the most divine quantum machine on the planet. I mean, it is so fantastic that medicine is designed because of what the human body does. Surgeries, the computers are are, are based off of the human brain. I mean, mm-hmm. our body, and we're still learning. There's still so many things that we don't know about the human body that are just theories because it's so it's so vast and so miraculous and and I'm I get so sad when I hear people talk about their body in ways that are less than that because it is right it is perfect it is beautiful it is miraculous and I want to just shout that from the rooftops (sighs) I can't hug you with that at all (laughs) I just want to shout it from the rooftops so um Yeah. And, and, and really lights my soul on fire to be able to see people improve, um, by, by shifting all of their energy that they put into supplements or diets or protocols or whatever, and just moving it toward, let's get in touch with the nervous system. Let's get in touch with that. Let's learn the language of the body and let's start to communicate with it. And just to form that deeper connection, um, with ourself and our body. And, um, that just is a fire for me, (laughs) my passion. This girl is on fire definitely <laughs> Well something I learned is that you know the sweet spot in life is where your passion and your purpose intersect yes. so that little spot in the middle and I tell you what any hard time that you went through any struggle any pain that's pointing you toward your purpose and if you can generate passion passion and belief behind what your purpose is there's no stopping you and if that's how you that's what you pour into and that's how you serve every day you're going to be loving your life (laughs) you're going to be loving your life so that's my my message of hope for people (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing message thank Thank you you. lindsay
0: Mm -hmm. where people can find you
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook, look for Lindsay Gilman and you'll find me on Facebook. Please friend me. Um, I share, I try to share every day, um, a little article or post on, um, the inner workings of the nervous system and, um, different techniques and, um, exercises that you can bring into your day-to-day life. Um, so if you follow me there, you'll get lots of tips and tricks. Um, also you can find me on Instagram at the calibration coach and, um, if you want to work with me, either DM me on Instagram or DM me at Facebook, and um, we'll get you scheduled for a conversation to chat and see if we're a good fit to work together. And um, I offer one-on-one coaching where we really dive deep into um, how to calibrate to a level of peace in your body and your mind and your life so that you can achieve happiness, health, wealth, Great relationships, all of that—that comes from being in a place of balance, regulation, and peace. So
0: amazing, amazing! I would highly recommend to check Lindsay's social media out. There are just so many inspiring stories Thank and you. so so much valuable information. Lindsay, before we go, do you have any concluding thoughts?
1: Mm, I do. I do. Um, For those of you listening or watching, um, I want you to go into your day tomorrow, and I want you to ask yourself a question, and I want you to ask this question before you eat anything, before you talk to somebody, before you turn on a screen, before you put something on, before you do anything, I want you to ask yourself, is this medicine, or is this adding to the pathology of my life? And I want you to learn how to tune into that. So before you drink something, you know, closing your eyes and just pausing, asking yourself, is this medicine or is this adding to the pathology of my life? And listen to what the body responds to. And what does it say to you? What is that deep knowing? That's that deep interconnection that is so vital to learning the language of the body. And if it says it's medicine, take it, respond with it. And if it says, no, I don't want that. That's adding to the, that's poison in my life. Don't take it. And I want you to do that for one day, one day. And it's a, it's a living meditation. It's a living meditation. And I, I guarantee you that your body will respond to you in ways that you cannot even imagine in health and vitality. You'll notice symptoms decreasing. So that's what I want to leave you with is to ask that question. And it's a life-changing question. And the better, the more you do it and the better you get at learning to listen and respond, it becomes natural.
0: What an amazing advice. Thank you, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay Gilman. Thank you for being here. I know it's not easy, but there is a part of you who is ready to take this journey all the way and I can help. Reach out to me directly at anna at to get work. You can also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for more healing stories and magic. This journey is not possible to do on your own, so make sure to like, subscribe, and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. If you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.